And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Metrospective. The Mets dink and dunk Zach Wheeler to death to take two out of three from the Red Hot Phillies. Now they've got four on tap in Atlanta with the very hot Braves starting Monday night with a matchup against known mustache villain Spencer Strider. And Tim Britton is here to tell me all about it. Tim, yo. You know, the the last time the Mets faced Spencer Strider, I, I thought but did not eventually tweet that I thought this was uh, the strangest uh, project of Suffian Stevens' career that it, it looked like he was trying something else new. Uh, he does it. It yeah. It's definitely. It feels like a hipster mustache, but it does have like the sort of the bad guy mustache look too. Like it, you'd have to see him in street clothes to know. Do you, do you want him like to lean into that villainous role uh, to to really try to recreate this late ninety? I mean, like you don't want him to go full John Rocker. No one wants anyone to go full John no. Rocker. Yeah, um, I w- would you would you like him to lean into like a, an anti-Mets villain thing here? Sure. I mean, no one will ever top naming their child Shay, right? Like that is obviously the the high water mark for for trolling an entire fan base. Um, but yeah, I, I love when that stuff when that stuff happens. Like I, like even um, I think about like Je- Jesse Winker a few years ago with the Reds and like mm-hmm. all of the uh, and and uh, a few times after that, like just the the rapport he's had with the fans at City Field. I just I always find that stuff fun as long as it's in good fun, right? Like if if Spencer Strider wants to come out and rip the Mets publicly, like that's great. That makes it a little bit more fun, uh, and it makes me. Uh, I will say I'm not at risk of not liking Spencer Strider for uh, uh, partic- due to particulars of my fantasy baseball league. Like Spencer Strider is is going to be an important member of my team for the next <laughs> seven years or something. Um, so you know I, I'm I'm all for him becoming like the 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 wrestling heel. Uh, I thought it was funny. The other day they had Mike Piazza was at City Field for an event, uh, and uh, I asked him about what it was like to see the Mets in a division race with Atlanta again, and he said, he just casually said, yeah, you know, I was talking to Larry about this recently. Oh, sorry, Chipper. Uh, ah. I, I thought that was that was wonderful. I maintain that I was at the game where that started because... <laughs> Uh, we were sitting at. The, I was sitting in the in the loge level at Shea, uh, the part like down in right field that over that hung over the bullpen, and not me, but other guys were calling down to John Franco and talking with him. And one of them said, "What's Shipper's real name?" It was a Mets Braves game, and it was you know it was one of those years. And Franco called back up Larry, and I want to believe that that's the origin because I would love to tribute the Larry chance to John Franco. How funny would it have been if it were not Larry? Like if it, if, if he had made up what, what Chipper Jones's first name was, and everyone just decided to call him Larry from that day forward. <laughs> just just rolled with it. 
Uh, I know of that happening among the Mets with a with a beat writer who I won't name, but that it was ever just decided he had a different name and and it and it stuck. It's like a Jerry Gergich situation. Exactly, exactly. Let's talk about these Mets because it seems like they're good. Um, they do like to Spencer Strider's credit. They they like I said they got a lot of dink and dunk hits in in the game against Zach Wheeler. But uh, as as you've written, uh, there's some skill to that. Yeah, it's. I don't know exactly how to look at their offense right now because we, we talked about it a lot in the middle of the summer. You know that this offense worked one way in April and May, which was uh, they put the ball in play. They didn't hit very many home runs, but they had uh, an excellent batting average on balls in play. They had a lot of infield hits. Uh, they got a lot of hits with runners in scoring position. Their batting average on ground balls was uh, unusually high. Uh, and all of that just didn't seem very sustainable. They scored, I think, 5.22 runs per game in April and May. Then from the start of June to the All-Star break, you know, they, they were a different kind of offense uh, that, that was not nearly as successful. They, they struck out a bit more. Uh, they hit more balls on the ground without good results. Their batting average on ground balls plummeted. Their batting average on balls in play plummeted. <clears throat> and their runs per game plummeted to, to just over four runs per game. And now since the All-Star break, the right back up, it's 5.23 runs per game. The the BABIP is really high again. They're hitting with almost 300 with runners in scoring position, but they're also they've also lowered the strikeout percentage to the lowest point it's been all season in these three time frames. The ground ball rate has really dropped. It's dropped uh, from 45 down to about 40 percent, uh, and they're hitting a couple more home runs. They're, they're hitting more than a home run per game, which was what they were not doing in April and May. Uh, you know, you can attribute that maybe to a, a little bit different personnel. Daniel Vogelback hit a home run on Sunday, uh, but also some warmer weather probably helps. Uh, it has been a warm summer in, in Queens. Um, you know, it's so it's it's not as unsustainable as April and May felt. I don't know that it feels sustainable per se. You know, I think everyone really wants to think that like putting the ball in play means good things like de facto. Like, like just if you are that kind of offense, good things are going to happen. You know, one of the three teams with a lower strikeout rate than the Mets is the Washington Nationals, who are 35 games behind them in the standings. And it's not like it's like the Nationals are just a bad pitching team with a great offense. They don't have a good offense either. Uh, so just because you put the ball in play doesn't mean you're a good offense. We've seen uh, the, the Royals have done it in years that were not 2014 or 2015, and it didn't work those other years. Uh, and so uh, I'm still, you know, the offense can operate well. We saw that on Sunday. We saw on, on Friday and Saturday, it didn't do a whole lot. It scored two runs in, in 19 innings uh, against the Phillies those two nights. Uh, you would like them to hit for a little bit more power, but this is kind of who they are, which is what I wrote uh, on Monday. Uh, and, you know, come the postseason, they're going to have to have innings like they did on in Sunday's fourth inning where, you know, they drop balls in, uh, they take advantage of another team's defensive lapses. You know, they, they meet a team... That's kind of like the 2015 Mets that relies so much on strikeouts uh, and, and, you know, has a defensive weakness that a team that puts the ball in play can exploit um, in particular. So uh, the, the offense is, I, I still think, a question mark, but you can you know exactly how frustrating it is for a pitcher like Zach Wheeler on Sunday when he's making good pitches and the Mets are just kind of muscling it over the infield. But that, And that's not all they do. Right, like it's if you look up and down the lineup, like I think about that that 2015 Royals team, like that team also didn't, as far as I remember, 
didn't really get on pace especially well. They had Alcides Escobar leading off, famously, as uh, Mets fans will recall. Uh, like, whereas, whereas it's it's just in the Mets case, it's it's that outside of of Alonso and Lindor, it's it's a bunch of good hitters who don't happen to hit a lot of home runs. There's still plenty of doubles. There's you know, it's like it's not that they're they're only succeeding on blue pits here. No, yeah, I mean, you've, you've got, look, Alonzo is, is something that the 2015 Royals did not have in their lineup, a, a power hitter of that regard. Um, and uh, that they do, like, it's not just dinks and doinks. It's it's not, their leadoff hitter has an on-base percentage over 300, for instance, uh, as you point out. Uh, and, and compared to the rest of the league, this is a much better offense than that Kansas City one was. They, the Kansas City one was actually below average league offense by OPS. Uh, this Mets one is, is well above. Uh, so it, you don't want to be reductive to like the fourth inning is the only way the Mets can score, but it is a larger part of their offense uh, than it is for other teams. Uh, and so when you run into the really good starting pitchers in October, and and to be fair, like Zach Wheeler is one of those guys. You know, Aaron Nola from Saturday is one of those guys. Uh, you know, Sandy Alcantara is a guy that they're not going to see in October, but is the best pitcher in the National League this season, and the Mets have beaten him twice uh, and done pretty well against him. Uh, you are going to have to to hit the occasional home run uh, to break up something. You're going to have to. It, it's harder to piece together, you know, four consecutive singles or three singles with two outs the way the Mets did on Sunday. Uh, you you want to be a diverse offense. And the Mets have a couple different ways, but they they still kind of lack the the home run ball outside of Alonzo. And like you know. For all our fretting about this, this team's strength at this point is is very clearly that I think, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I'd say it's pretty easy to say they have the best starting staff in baseball, right? Like if you look at the numbers across the board, they're top five, but that's with Jacob deGrom out for most of the season and Scherzer out for a third of the season. Those are like two of the top five starters in the majors. Um, and they're top five even, you know, without much, you know, without full contributions from those guys. So to me, it's like your, your offense doesn't have to be spectacular. It just has to be good enough to win games when you've got the best starting staff in baseball. Yeah, I mean, right now they, they very clearly, I think, have the best starting rotation in baseball. I put this out on Twitter yesterday and in my story uh, on Monday morning uh, that, you know, since July 1st, uh, the four of the five Mets starters have an ERA below two, um, which is is pretty crazy. The only one who's above is Taiwan Walker, who obviously had the one really bad start against Atlanta. Uh, if you take that out, though, his ERA is under three in that stretch, which is also very good. Uh, and so, you know, their rotation, they're throwing someone out there every night. Every night, it's not just that they're throwing someone out there who can keep you in the game for five to six innings. They're throwing someone out there who can shut you out for seven, uh, who can win a game on their own, basically. Uh, and you know, the only team I think that has a better ERA than the Mets uh, so far this season is the Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers are missing Clayton Kershaw right now. They're missing Walker Buehler, and and it's kind of unclear what his his path back is at this point. Uh, and so when you start to think about okay, what is what is the postseason rotation going to look like for these two teams? You know, yeah, Tyler Anderson and, and Tony Gonsolin and, and Andrew Heaney are having, like, incredibly good seasons uh, for who they are. Uh, you still probably prefer Scherzer and DeGrom in those matchups. Um, you know, Chris Bassett has, has pitched really well late, as late of late as well. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know that there's a team that the Mets go into a postseason series against and feel like they're, they're outgunned uh, from the rotation standpoint. 
where the thing we've been fretting about all year is the sort of middle innings and the and the later innings besides the ones covered by Edwin Diaz. Right now, you know, and and Chris Bassett, like it was almost helpful that he only went five innings in Sunday's game because it feels like the Mets are getting such good performances out of their starting pitching that they don't even need a good bullpen. And so like we talk we've been talking all year about like who's gonna step up, who's gonna audition, who's gonna have this. Um and and so you know it, in last night's game it was it was nice to see Trevor Williams get a couple more innings and like uh, and as you wrote and I think a really really positive development was was seeing Trevor May look so good. Yeah, you know, you, it's it's hard to go all the way back and remember that yeah, like Trevor May was kind of I guess in, in my mind and I don't know if it was the consensus like he was going to be the eighth inning guy coming into the season uh, and you know he he got off to a really rough start uh, didn't didn't look good didn't look healthy. Uh, and wasn't healthy, as it turns out. He had triceps inflammation that he said uh, kind of kind of um, developed over the course of his attempt to incorporate a splitter into his delivery, uh, into his pitch mix. That you know he he tried to uh, tried to develop that splitter in the off season. You know he sat down. Trevor is is as analytical as any pitcher on the Mets staff, and really good at explaining his thought process behind this thing. These things really open about it. You know, he wanted a splitter to replace his changeup essentially because his changeup, if he doesn't throw it exactly the way he wants to kind of looks like a slow fastball and, and got hit hard a bunch last year uh, so he wanted to incorporate the splitter but with the offseason the way it was uh, and going into a shorter spring training he didn't kind of get where he wanted to with it and then when he was trying to throw it earlier this season it just he, he said he he needed to put it he needed to keep it in the oven a little longer uh, and so now that he's back he's, he's back throwing his changeup which he feels good with and feels like he's got a better feel for now than he did earlier in the year um, and you know, the way he looked on Saturday in the eighth inning of a one nothing game, he gets two strikeouts, then he gets Kyle Schwarber as a pinch hitter to fly out. That was uh, the best he'd looked in his four outings back. He said it was the first time he's felt normal on the mound since last September, or that's as normal as I've felt since last September, I think was his line. Uh, and so, you know, he, he made it clear, like, the last six and a half weeks of this regular season, like, we're all kind of looking at how do we get into our, our pinnacle form. I think he called, how do I get to be pinnacle me for October because the Mets are going to be there, you know. The the whether it's the division or the wild, the Mets are going to be in the playoffs. Uh, so that that's kind of what he's he's looking at. And you look at their bullpen. You know, Adovino has been outstanding all season. Seth Lugo has looked really really good, uh, really since the middle of July, the last month or so. Uh, and you add Trevor May to that mix. You add Michael Gibbons, who uh, had a bad first outing, obviously with the Mets, but otherwise has been really good. Like got. One of the toughest luck losses you could get the other night uh, on Friday because he came right. in with the the bonus runner on second and got I think it was a ground out, a medium depth fly ball, and a strikeout and got a loss. Um, so he's been good. Uh, that gives them you know kind of four options to mix and match in front of Edwin Diaz if those guys are all pitching well. That that you feel a little bit better about than than where they were certainly before the trade deadline, and you just hope that. You know, maybe Joely Rodriguez looks more like the guy who went two and a third innings last time we were talking about this on the podcast, and less like the guy who couldn't close out the six nothing game on Sunday. Right, and you, like you mentioned, there's now there's a bunch of decent looking options, and if your starting pitchers go in six or seven innings every night, you're only you know you only need to cover one inning before you get to Diaz. I feel like for all our fretting. This is maybe less of an issue than I thought it was. Of course, like probably Achilles said that before running into battle. Like, ah, it's just my heel. 
Uh, I think the interesting thing is going to be uh, seeing how Buck Showalter, like how much leash do his starters get? Uh, and I, I think, you know, Scherzer and DeGrom are guys you're going to let work through some issues in the middle innings uh, of a playoff game because they've earned that. Um, I was actually talking about it with another reporter yesterday in the press box. You know, Chris Bassett in that game in the fourth inning lets the first two on and gets out of it. In the fifth inning lets the first two on, you know, second and third with nobody out. And you wonder if, if that's a, an October playoff game, if it's not, I think it was 5 nothing at that point, you know, what is the leash for Chris Bassett there? Does he... Does he get to work through it the way that he did? Or is he out of that game at some point in the fourth inning with both guys on? Is he out of that game the minute he gives up the double to put two on in the fifth inning? And how does that change the way your bullpen looks over the course of an entire series? Because uh, you're not getting six and seven innings consistently out of all of your starters in that case. Uh, so I think, you know, it, Showalter, the last time he was in the playoffs, uh, the last two times he was in with, with Baltimore, actually all, all three times he was in with Baltimore, you know, they didn't have... Uh, a, a starting rotation that you expected six or seven innings out of guys. You know, that would, they didn't have Jacob Degrom. They did not have Jacob Degrom. They did not have Max Scherzer. They didn't really have Chris. I mean, Chris Tillman was probably the best starter they had in those years. I don't know that Chris Tillman would crack this this starting five for the Mets. He was kind of more of a a, a guy beyond that. So, uh, you know, how he leans on those guys uh, in the playoffs is, I think is a fascinating question that we're going to find out in October. Uh, I, I thought it was funny uh, along those lines. Chris Bassett. Uh, was talking about, you know, all those years in Oakland, like he thought they had a really good team. Uh, and now he's like, now I'm on like a real contender. And so, someone said, well, what's the difference? You know, is it is it like there's more veterans in here? He goes, oh yeah, like Oakland doesn't really do veterans. Uh, and there's not a lot of Max Scherzers walking around the A's clubhouse. Uh, and that's, that is, uh, you know, those are A's teams that won 98 games. Those are A's teams that were really good and, and uh, you know, looked like they could do something in the playoffs if they just could get through the wild card game. Uh, and this team has a different feel to it for Bassett. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Right. I mean, since day one, we've been saying convincing, right? This It's just this has looked like a good team all season long, even when they've been playing, like even when they haven't been winning 17 out of 20 or whatever this is. Uh, and it's easy to look back and, and sort of smile on, on all of the darkest moments now that you see how good it is. But uh, there was never a time in the season when it was like, oh, it's completely coming apart of the seams. I think the only moment is uh, when Scherzer got hurt. It was, uh-oh, like what's, you know, this starting rotation depth doesn't seem like like what we might have thought it was and then and then it absolutely was those other guys stepped up um and so you know with with Showalter in regards to Showalter and and Gary Cohen keeps pointing it out on the broadcasts it feels like you know every time he makes a call where I'm like I I don't know about I don't know about that like Trevor May in a big spot right right who a guy who has struggled to date this season uh Michael Givens in a big spot a guy who is still getting his feet wet on this team uh, it always it always seems to pay off. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've I've said it time and again, like the the that so many people think of Buck Showalter and not putting Zach Britton in that wild card game is is so ironic because if you were to poll people around the sport of baseball, like what managers are the best at handling bullpens, at getting the most out of their bullpen in the last 15, 20 years, the two names you'd probably hear are Buck Showalter and Bruce Bochy. Uh, and, you know, that, that it was Showalter who made that mistake was the most surprising element of it. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've seen time and again this year the way he's been able to, uh, you know, he makes the right decisions. You know, leaning on Joely Rodriguez for those two and a third innings uh, eight days ago was, was such a big move uh, for the team at that time. You know, like knowing that he could go to Trevor Williams for two innings on, on this past Sunday, you know, like that they're at a point where none of their top relievers are like leading the league in appearances or up near the top of the league there. So they should be able to stay fresh. He's been uh, really keen on doing that over the course of the year. That's why we've seen uh, kind of guys like Adovino and Lugo get an extra day here and there, especially if they go more than an inning. You know, he's been relatively cautious with Diaz. He was not going to use him on Sunday, regardless of what happened in that game. Uh, so, you know, they, they should be in good shape for October, for October and, you know, Showalter is a guy who has done really well with his bullpen uh, for the large majority of his career, one significant game notwithstanding. Uh, Sunday's game did see Luis Guillorme come up limp- limping while rounding third. Uh, it it do we know any more about it? Is he going to be able to avoid the disabled list? Sounds like Edwin uh, Escobar's a little bit banged up as well. Are they going to have to go to the minors here? Because I I want to segue to our questions, and we've got a couple about uh, is this going to be Brett Beatty time, or uh, is it going to be Gosuke Kato, or is it going to be Guillaume and Escobar? Yeah, so Guillaume, you know, felt tightness in his groin when he was scoring on I believe it was James McCann's single ahead of Jeff McNeil coming all the way around for first, uh, and you know he left the game at that point. Uh, afterward, he said, you know, he hasn't hasn't really felt something like that before. He's had a hamstring issue earlier in his career. Uh, and so it, it said it still felt tight after the game. Uh, and so he's going to get an MRI uh, today, Monday. It's probably happened already. Uh, it, I feel like really uh, leery of going out on a limb because we're going to find out like very shortly whether he needs an IL stint or not. My guess based on what he said yesterday was that he probably will require uh, time on the IL. And even if he doesn't, he's not going to be available for uh, you know at least a couple days probably. Uh, in which case, you know, given the issues around Escobar as well, you might be a little bit more apt to put him on the IL regardless, even if he might be ready in four days or so. Uh, Escobar, you know, said he feels decent. You know, he's got an oblique, left oblique issue. Uh, he said he feels fine fielding, feels it a little bit while running, mainly feels it while swinging from the right side. 
uh, which is uh, really too bad because that's the side he's been hitting really well from. Uh, so we saw him yeah. uh, on Sunday bat lefty against left-hander Brad Hand. It was his first left-on-left at bat in the big leagues. Uh, so, you know, if Guillaume is out, you can roll with Escobar. Uh, you can try to roll with Escobar as your everyday guy at third base again. Uh, but, you know, you might be particularly susceptible to left-handers um, if, if he can't swing from the right side. Or if, you know, if he's healthy, then you might be susceptible to right-handers because that's the side, that those are the pitchers he has not hit as well this year. So it's kind of a, you don't know exactly how useful he is at this precise moment. Uh, you know, Gosuke Kato is a guy who they've, they've had on the taxi squad. He's, I think he was on the active roster at one point this season, but didn't get into a game. So he's been with the team since the Escobar injury, uh, ready, ready to go if needed. Uh, they did not pull either uh, Brett Beatty or Mark Vientos from the game Syracuse was playing on Sunday, uh, even after the Guillaume injury, which suggests they, they aren't immediately considering those guys. But uh, I know Mike Puma at the Post reported that uh, Beatty was, was under consideration. He'd be the guy, you know, I, I believe it's four, it's at least three right-handers at the start of the series against Atlanta. And, and I guess Thursday is TBD because they got Max Fried on the IL, uh, who could be back by then. But you know, if you're going up against a bunch of right-handed pitchers, ba- Beatty makes more sense than Vientos to me for that reason, because he, he's hit righties better. Uh, and I think you feel a little bit more comfortable with him defensively at third than Vientos. Vientos has not played a lot of third base lately. Uh, doesn't seem like he's ready to be a, a major league third baseman. Beatty hasn't played a ton of third base either. He's, he's played some left field. So, uh, you know, that, I think defensively there would be some concerns there about what you're getting out of those guys. But uh, this could be a chance to give Beatty a, a, a little bit of a look here at the major league level. Obviously, Atlanta has has done really well with their uh, rookies and, and Michael Harris II and Vaughn Grissom. Uh, so maybe this is the chance for the Mets to, to replicate that. He's hitting the tar out of the ball, and and like, I mean, you you can like you can tell me what you've heard. My understanding was that Beatty should be like okay at the right like my from what i've read and i haven't seen either of these guys play so i can't i can't uh, i wouldn't trust my eyes anyway but uh from what i have read at least it sounds like the book on vientos is he's not going to stick at third base and with Beatty is oh he'll be fine he just won't be great yeah what, what i've heard uh is is basically that Beatty has a better shot of sticking than, than vientos vientos it seems like the, the ship has basically sailed on him as being a major league third baseman uh, and you see that in the mets usage of him that he's been primarily a first baseman in dh uh, with syracuse this year with Beatty, uh i think you know alex schiffer uh actually our brooklyn nets writer who, who dabbles in some minor league stuff uh from the mets side of things uh, wrote about Beatty last week uh, and i thought had some really interesting uh comments about his defense that you know when james mccann was there he was kind of hammering home to Beatty, like this is the area of the game you have to work on to be ready for the next level and uh so i've heard you know like could could play there long term but maybe isn't fully ready for prime time at third base just yet uh, and you can understand a team built the way the mets are built and and performing the way the mets are performing might not want to sacrifice too much defensively at that position uh for very long but you know, they might not have much of a choice. Uh, otherwise, they don't have, you know, I, I don't know that Gosuke Kato or Travis Blankenhorn or whoever else would fit the bill uh, to play some third bases is that much of a of a, an upgrade uh, at that position. So, uh, you know, I, I think if Guillaume is going to miss some time, I think Beatty makes sense to me as the guy. Uh, and you kind of see where he's at and, and get a feel for him. Uh, at a, at a moment of crisis, the same way that I thought that, you know, when, when McCann was out earlier, that maybe they should have given Alvarez a look 
uh, as kind of your backup to Nito, mm-hmm. which they decided against, uh, and, and we'll see how they handle this one. Just for uh, for the record, Beatty this year he's still played. So he's played seventy two games at third and eleven in left field. So he's still largely been playing third base. Yeah, I, I mean he's played a little bit more left field lately. Uh, I should actually mm-hmm. double check that. I know he was playing left field on Sunday, and I think I saw him there on Friday as well. Um, but I think part of that is yeah, he's played twice in six games at Triple A, yeah. but he's played four games at at, at third. Yeah, so he, you know that's that's working with Vientos as well. So. Uh, and he's done really well in AAA, uh, you know, right off the bat, which uh, you never know when a guy goes up and, and shifts level. Like, you know, Alvarez has struggled a lot more uh, with the transition to AAA uh, to this point. So that, that's always good. You always want when you're calling that guy up for him to be in a good place mentally and offensively, and, and Beatty is right now. We've got a non-Brett Beatty question from Ryan Hamilton, and it's something we've talked about quite a bit this year, um, but it's a, it's not in this context. Uh he wants to know, is this the greatest season for Mets walk-up music yet? Well, we're considering Diaz's song part of walk-up music, right? Even though it's technically yeah, not of walking course. up. Um, you know, that, that I think takes the case. You know, that's that's like having Jacob deGrom in your rotation. It's it's a strong number one um, mm-hmm. that, that transcends eras. Uh, I'm not, you know, what would be, what is number two? What, We've talked about, I think... Oh, 2015. You got to... The, the the benchmark, I think, is 2015 because Cespedes with the line. Oh, that's it. true. Yeah. And you also had... Uh, uh, and that would be the that would be the only candidate, I would say, that rivaled it because like there was a number of guys with good and recognizable at-bat musics in that, that time, uh, whereas there's there's a few, a few, a couple fewer here. Yeah. I mean, the, the current Mets, guys like uh, Nibbo and McNeil and Alonzo have kind of a classic rock theme to them. Uh, you know, Mark Cam has been using Paper Planes, which I think is a, a cool song. Um, you know, Luis Guillorme, we've talked about his his at-bat music uh, on the podcast before, uh, which I think is fine. It, it gets a little it gets a little old four seasons in, uh, but uh, works for him, clearly. Um, so, yeah, and, and, and I mean, if we're counting Diaz's music, we should probably count DeGrom and Simple Man, uh, which has also kind of connected with the fan base in a way that I can't recall a, a, the song a starting pitcher uh, warms up to being as as integrated with the pitcher's personality and with the fan base as, as that is for DeGrom. Well, that's because, I mean, DeGrom is DeGrom, right? And like, so any song he picks is probably going to resonate that way because he's Jacob DeGrom. I, I, don't, I don't particularly love that song. It's cool to watch DeGrom warm up to it because it's cool to watch DeGrom warm up to anything. The one that jumps out at me there is uh, Johan Santana used Smooth, and that uh, the, the Rob, Sa- Rob Thomas, Carlos Santana song, and I hate that song, <laughs> but Johan Santana made that song so cool. Yeah, I mean, the look, Edwin Diaz's music coming in was not as, uh, people did not love it as much when he was not the lockdown closer. I mean, people wanted to I love would. it. People wanted to love song. it. But uh, like when he started coming out to it again in 2020, uh, the thought was like, oh man, you hope he gets to the spot where everyone goes nuts when this happens. And it's great to see uh, for Mets fans that that, that has happened. Do you know what I had the opportunity to do for the first time yesterday? What is that? You're not going to guess. You're never going to guess it. So you don't. You shouldn't wager a guess. I will not guess. Uh, so I currently, and for a very limited time, live on a live in a ground floor apartment, um, and I happen to keep my trumpet very close to the window. And so I have been thinking to myself for a while, like if I see someone walk by in a Mets hat, 
I should play the Timmy Trumpet <laughs> line from Narco and see how they react. And I, it happened yesterday. I saw a guy. I had the the window. The screen was the window was open. And the screen was up, so like he would be able to hear. He was across the street. Guy in a Mets hat walking down the street with a with a woman not in a Mets hat. Uh, he kind of stopped and looked around. Uh, didn't see where the trumpet was coming from, and then smiled and walked on. <laughs> so you're you were Teddy Trumpet to go along with with. I, I am right now. Yes, uh, not uh, not nearly. I mean, I just can't play it with anything like Timmy Trumpet's tone. Uh, it would take months of practice to to. I mean, I would never even. He is a guy has great tone. He's a great trumpet player. Uh, I'm not a professional trumpet player. I'm not going to match that. But uh, I I can at least sort of hammer out the line. And uh, this guy seemed to appreciate it. I think that it's a nice thing to do for Mets fans on the street. Uh, yeah, I think you should carry it around now full time, uh, just in case. Are you allowed to bring a trumpet into City Field? I assume not, but uh, they should they, they should make uh, they should make exceptions for like talented trumpet players. I Tim, this is an issue close to my heart. <laughs> I believe that they should welcome all. I believe they should issue free tickets to anyone who shows that they can capably play that line, and that when Diaz comes out, every, all of those people should like line the, the stadium and play it. I, I think that that's what they should do. I think that would be really cool. Um, and I will also say that I started playing the trumpet in the first place because back in the 80s, there was a guy who used to come play like the, the charge fanfare with his trumpet. Oh, that's nice, yeah. Um, so I think I and, and the Marlins do that. The Marlins have a little section where people can bring their instruments and jam. Uh, remember, we've seen we've seen Steve Gelbs out there. <laughs> the Steve, the um, Steve Gelbs playing, gift playing. Does, does still exist. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so uh, I am I am all about that. I think that we're onto something here, and you should uh, maybe just maybe just suggest it to Edwin Diaz. Be like, maybe you can demand this of the team. Well, I did see. Uh, I don't know if you saw this uh, on Twitter. Raul Ramos, a reporter who covers the Mets, uh, tweeted that uh, Timmy Trumpet is planning to attend a game at City Field uh, and like be ready oh, to yes, play yes. the trumpet. Be ready to play uh, if Diaz comes in. Uh, which would be uh, pretty crazy. Well, if you follow Timmy Trumpet on Instagram, you will see that he is never without his trumpet. Like he's wherever he's going in this world, which is a lot of places, uh, he, he's bringing his trumpet along. So you can you can bet like you can't you can't not let Timmy Trumpet bring his trumpet into the Mets game. And so I want to believe that that will be the live performance. I've been craving i've been saying that that relievers should have live music for for decades now so that would be a big day for me if that happens how long have you been following timmy trumpet on instagram ah uh, just i mean just since this year okay. <laughs> you, you, you've been you you were on him before you've been following him since 2014 really i'm i'm not 100 percent sure that i'm following timmy he's, trumpet he's, on instagram, he's big, but i have been to his instagram page you're big in like trumpet talk you know tiktok for trumpets you're on that too so of course. Um, well, I do. I mean, I do. There is like this. This that, that's a whole thing. I mean, there's there's a whole like fancy trumpet Instagram subculture, which I do by sometimes clicking on those ads. Sometimes get like sucked into. Yeah, the, we, we all do, that happens to everyone with their own particular interests on Instagram. 
Uh, we are running out of time here, so we should wrap it up. Uh, thanks for everyone with questions. If you've got questions, you can email asktedberg at gmail.com or get at us on Twitter. Tim's at Tim Britton. I'm at OG Ted Berg. We will be back later in the week to talk about how the Mets are faring against these Atlanta Braves. Tim, until then, adios. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.